Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Error Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Megan Gardner. And I'm Alan Gomez. This is Collateral Gaming. Welcome to Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. We are podcasting straight from San Antonio, Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so smoke it if you've got it. What's up, guys? We're back in under one roof, right? Hey, we're all back together. The gang's all here. Finally. I know. This quarantine has been crazy. We're getting the gang back together. We're getting the band back together. <laughs> That's what it is. The the TikTok, you know. Oh God, oh, please no. Lord. I think it was from Phineas and Ferb, but probably. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we're all under one little roof here. We decided um, we've been practicing some pretty safe social distancing measures and quarantining for the most part, so we feel comfortable with each other, and it's nice to you know have our voices here and be able to you know hang out with each other. <laughs> yeah, hang out, be friends. It's, Not it's just been, be like, hey, from a freaking phone screen or a Mac screen. Yeah. I don't know. We, we, we did kind of get to social distance hang out, though. You know, last, last that last episode, we, yeah. Were, yeah. we hung out for several hours just yeah. talking before we recorded. But um, you'll also notice Dakota isn't here this episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just temporarily. But I've got Alan and Megan here, and we're having a good time. We've been uh hanging out playing some of the sequels to the game that we're going to talk about i kind of wanted to show them a little bit of that before we really get into that though we have a little segment on the show what we like to do it's called collateral gaming news 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 So, what's up, guys? I understand that y'all have compiled a lot of Yeah, news. oh my god, we have so much stuff. Do you want to start? I'll start, for one. Mr. Social Gamer. Social, all right. Um, so, for news, we got uh, the Silent Hill PS5 exclusive, and the uh, Call of Duty 2020 will be titled Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, focusing on the Vietnam War, which is, it's the, the subtitle's kind of a rumor, and it's supposed to really sometime mid-October of this year. Hell yeah, going back to their roots, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a big rumor, but that's what a lot of the, the people who know the devs have been talking about, so apparently that's something that they've been bringing on. And then um, I know a lot of fans are fans of Ghost of Tsushima. That one's going to be coming out soon. There's a lot of hype on that one. That one's been in development for six years now, as of a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, we, we just did 
sorry, not just did, but um, we've done another Sucker Punch Productions game, which was Infamous Second Son. Mm -hmm. It was one of our very early episodes before y'all joined on. We had actually mentioned Ghost of Tsushima then because there was very little information, I think, out at that time. But it looked really promising what was out. And I'm really excited. That game looks so much bigger than anything they've ever done before. And bigger than really a lot of games are, And period. Yeah, I think it's going to be another like kind of a monumental game kind of thing where they're going to put a new stake in the ground. Um, that one they've got a lot more development on. And it is coming out July 17th. So that one's coming up real quick. That one's going to sneak up on us. Um, and uh, reportedly the file size is going to be half of that of, um, the last of us two, which is coming here in a few weeks. So apparently that's going to be a really, really good game, but it's not as big as we expect. So I'm kind of, I'm a little perplexed, but I'm very excited to play that one. Yeah. yeah speaking of, of last of us, that was kind of one, one of my contributions to the news I was thinking about was, um, the, uh, the, the last of us part two, as a lot of you may know was leaked. I strongly advise y'all not to go out and look up the story. You know, I think the developers, Naughty Dog has been especially, they've been strong on, you know, encouraging their players to wait, wait, experience this game the the way it was meant to be because it never looks good on paper. Um, I know like if you look at like movie leaks and stuff before it comes out, it always sounds stupid. Yep. And then, you know, you watch it in theaters and it's actually great. So there's been a lot of criticism on, on some gamers parts as far as where the story, the direction of the story is going. I'm gonna wait it out and see what happens. I'm not. I don't want to pass hold judgment. Um, I don't even want to look at any leaks and try to figure out what's going on. I just want to experience that for myself because I've been super excited about Last of Us Part Two since I played The Last of Us. Yeah, me too. I remember playing that game when it first came out. So I'm just gonna let everything happen organically and try not too hard to um, think too hard about it. I'm very excited. I I was you know I got the the PS4. Um, what is it? The home screen. I got uh-huh. the, the one of the burning car and everything, but I was like, eh, I'm going to hold on. I got to hold on for that. Um, and then I did get some news on the PS5 exclusives that are coming out. I got a compiled list of that. We've got Valhalla is going to be on both PlayStation and X- Xbox. I got the Xbox exclusives too. Um, and then we've got Dirt 5, Destiny 2. They're going to bring Fortnite into the new one. Um, Godfall, Lord of the Rings, Gollum is going to be on both. Outriders, Quantum Error. I wonder if that's something similar to Quantum uh, Leap. Quantum, Quantum Leap. Leap. Yeah, that one was a good game too. Um, that was an Xbox exclusive. Yeah, that one was a really good game. Um, and then Scarlet Nexus. That's going to be on both Watch Dogs Legion. That's the third one, in, the third installment in the series. That one's going to be coming out uh, with a exclusive. I think they might have an exclusive console for that. Uh, like a package kind of thing. Okay. Um, and then we've also got Elder Scrolls Six reportedly and Battlefield Six, um, and then we've got some other big ones coming up on Xbox. Yeah, last year on E3 they had mentioned that a, uh, Elder Scrolls Elder Scrolls Six was a development. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm super excited about. You mentioned Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Mm. That's got a release date of. Uh, fourth quarter of 2020 there's not an exact release date on that yet but sometime late this year that's coming out and um i was gonna say last of us part two actually has an official release date of june 19th uh, that's oh, wow. actually, actually my daughter's birthday so oh, nice, nice. Uh, that's next month so that's super close we thought we were gonna have to wait longer because of the the covid 19 pandemic but uh, and, and it had actually had been delayed twice yeah i remember when it was originally delayed but we did not expect it to be able to be coming up this soon. So it must have been that it was pretty much already done. I mean, we've waited long enough since Last of Us Part 1. Yeah, when was that one, 13? I think so. I think it was 2013. I still so. need to play it. I'm probably going to play it 
like, took me forever soon. to play it too. Yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. I only played it when we did the episode on this podcast. So, but that's what that was basically going to be my two things was Last of Us Part Two and uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yeah, um, which is going to be really exciting because I'm a huge fan of the Assassin's Creed series. Dakota and I both are. We have mm-hmm. every single game in the series except for Odyssey. Um, and, and I've played through, I've played a, at least a little bit of all of those and quite a few of them I've played all the way through. So, and we've got a little bit of an announcement in regards to the Assassin's Creed series. So stay tuned till the end of the episode and we'll, we'll bring that up in the, you know, later, but I guess that's just about it. Did y'all have anything, any other news to report? Um, yeah, I have the Xbox lineup too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got bright, infinite memory scorn, which is going to be a, an X exclusive, Chorus, uh, they're going to have Madden 21, of course. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade, Call of the Sea, The Ascent, uh, The Medium, which is going to be another Xbox exclusive, Scarlet Nexus, uh, Second Extinction, Yakuza Like a Dragon, Halo Infinite, of course. They're very, very excited about that one. Um, Warframe, Cyberpunk 2027. I've been really excited about Cyberpunk, yeah. Um, And then we've also got Gothic, and then... Finally, there is some more news on uh, Senua, uh, like the the Hellblade series. Uh-huh. Uh, they're they're finally going to drop a second one, and then of course Valhalla. So we, yeah. we've got that's only half of the list that I saw. They've got a lot coming out. They bought a lot of developers out in this past year. That was their big thing at E3. So I'm kind of excited to see the the Xbox platform really launch with some good shit. Um, they're going to have. I think they were talking about something with their new kind of like cloud based game system yeah they're gonna be focusing more on indie developers trying to really help them build up and and get some more games out into the xbox universe oh hell yeah, yeah. i'm totally down for that and we want to you know kind of explore the indie gaming world ourselves a little bit more in the past we've done some indie game reviews i think we're going to do a lot more of that on the the bonus round episodes we're going to start probably using that to discuss more indie game reviews but um, by all means, anyone that is an indie developer, feel free to reach out to us. And oh, yeah. I'd be so down. Even if it's unpolished, I don't care. I'll play it. We'll give yeah. you our honest opinions of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything else to add, Alan? Oh, I was just looking up. I was curious. I remember looking it up earlier when we were writing down all these notes as the uh, developer for COD 2020, and it's it's usually between the two of you know Infinity Ward and Treyarch, and I didn't even know that Sledgehammer Games um, had did a couple Call of Duties, and they do a three-year cycle of whose okay. turn it is. And I think they skipped Sledgehammer and they went straight to Treyarch this time. Huh. Treyarch kind of has a little bit bigger claw well, when it comes to series. Yeah, when it comes to Black Ops, you kind of yeah. want Treyarch, especially if you want a good polished, you know, zombies section of it. Yeah, well, not even that, plus story. the multiplayer. Their, mul- their version of the multiplayer is honestly my favorite out of all yeah. the CODs. So I'm excited for that because I played so much Black Ops 4. It is ridiculous. It took me a long time to get into COD. Yeah. But once I started playing it and really playing Black Ops 4, I was like, let's go. I just Who, wanted, who I, did I always play? The one with the little lightning. lightning. What's his name? The black guy. I can't remember. Oh, God. What was his name? Lightning. I, I just, ready, he goes, ready to bring the lightning. <laughs> I just want them to bring back sticks and stones. Yeah. That Hell yeah. Fun. No, I, I, I love Call of Duty Dakota, and I've been playing a lot of it lately. Um, but yeah, I guess that's it for Collateral Gaming News. Um so we're going to start talking about our, our uh, title this episode. If you didn't read the title, I guess, you know, which would be kind of odd, but maybe you just, <laughs> maybe you just have this on autoplay. We're talking about Tomb Raider, specifically the 2013 reboot mm-hmm. from Crystal Dynamics. Uh, this is a game that I've actually had a lot of experience with before the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's something that I was really, really impressed with, and I fell in love with the game. Uh, I was hooked into it immediately. 
And so it's definitely something that was in the back of my mind when I started developing games, you know, or deciding games that we were going to put on the podcast. Because mm-hmm. um, I just had a lot of fun. I played through it at least two times, and then I've, you know, played through it again now. Yeah, for the podcast. But, um, yeah, no, what, uh, what, what did you guys think? Um, it took me a little bit to get into, and I remember playing it a couple of years ago. Um, but I had I had played a little bit a couple of years ago on the on the four, and I played it originally on the PS3 when I got my PS3. Um, I remember really liking it back then, but this time it was a little bit harder for me to get into. I guess because we've been playing all these you know a lot bigger blockbuster games. Yeah, um, it was and, and there wasn't as God much hype because it's older, yeah. you know. Um, but once I got into it, I was like, oh my God, I did not know a woman could get this much injury and lose that much blood and still be alive. It was it was very intense. Yeah, no, it's a badass. And um, this game introduces another kind of another version of Laura, who's every bit as much of a badass, but uh, definitely a, a different direction that the series is going in. Kind of, you know, like what, what uh, God of War. You know, yeah, very similar um, kind of uh, arc a little bit. She she this is kind of a game where she starts out very apprehensive. You know, there's no way I can live up to the and fill up in the boots of my father kind of thing. And then you know, like she kind of comes into her own and becomes the of course the double pistol wielding badass that we know her to be. So. <laughs> Yeah, this game is very much an origin story and and Mm -hmm. a reboot at the same time. Um, It is developed by Crystal Dynamics, um, who have did take over the Tomb Raider series starting in two thousand three. Although didn't originally develop it, we'll get into that. But um, Crystal Dynamics is actually best known for the Legacy of Kane and Gex series. Um, They had started getting into the Tomb Raider series with Legend, which itself was also a reboot of the series. That's in its own timeline. Uh, That was Tomb Raider Legend. uh, That was. And around the time that the Angelina Jolie movie came out, so yeah. the character was actually, I think, modeled after her appearance. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, Angelina Jolie's hot as fuck, so. <laughs> and and then after that, they did Tomb Raider Anniversary, which is a remake of the first game. Yeah. Um, followed by Tomb Raider Underworld, which picked up the story that they started in Legend and uh, kind of concluded that little trilogy. There's another couple games in that, Laura Croft and the Guardian of Light and Laura Croft and the Temple of Osiris, that Ooh. actually ran concurrently with this game series, the tomb, current Tomb Raider series, and it's actually, it's it's a part of the, the timeline that started in Legend, believe it or not. That's the same Laura Croft from that universe. So it, that timeline is actually still going on, um, but those games were more like played from a top-down perspective and yeah. focused on like puzzle. I played a little bit of it. One of them was, a, I think it was the Temple of Osiris. I, I did try a little bit because it was one of the PlayStation Plus uh, exclusive like free games that was yeah. out. Um, and I, I got to play with it a little bit. It was pretty fun. They also developed um, Laura Croft Relic Run, um, which was kind of a kind of like a what is it? Temple Run. Temple Run. Thank yeah. you. It was a Temple Run clone. It's like it's a free running Temple Run clone with Laura Croft. So, and then of course after this, well, they did Rise of the Tomb Raider, which we'll get into. Another thing I wanted to mention is that Crystal Dynamics is behind um, the upcoming game Marvel's Avengers, which I'm super excited about. And I'm almost looking for an opportunity to maybe throw that in somewhere for us to talk about because I'm, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it makes me wonder who the voice actors are going to be, you know, because I know they had one on the Xbox 360 when the first Avengers was out. And it was just you could like battle a bunch of stuff and you could like choose between Avengers and some of the um, Fantastic Four and a couple others. You talking about Ultimate Alliance? I think so, yeah. Yeah, we talked like, about Ultimate Alliance in one of our bonus rounds. Yeah. It was like Mortal Kombat style? 
No, it's it's more of a it's almost like an arcade style where you're just battling enemies, kind of, almost like a Lego style game. Yeah, it's very very similar in that uh, retrospect. It's multiplayer, or but you can jump in and out at any time co op, mm-hmm. and you uh-huh. can control. Um, any a team of like four Marvel superheroes, so it's like your like fantasy team, yeah. whoever you want, sense. mix and match, and it's outside of the MCU. It's its own thing, and it actually was before that. It was the original Ultimate Alliance was back on the. Uh, we had it on the Xbox 360, and we actually just talked about it on a, on bonus round. Oh, nice! Uh, we did a little uh, a game review on that. But um, Marvel's Avengers is actually um, a new game that's being developed by Crystal Dynamics. It's got. Actually, uh, it's got a lot of talent in it. It's got several well-known voice actors like Troy Baker, oh, wow. Travis Willingham, pretty much all the the uh, Nolan North, pretty much all all the the uh, was it Laura Bailey? Yeah, yeah. All the well-known voice actors that you see that prop up in every single game, pretty they're much yeah. popping up, and their appearances almost seem to be based off of the, the MCU in some in some part. But it's its own thing, mm-hmm. and. I want to say that I heard somewhere that it may even tie into the, the Spider-Man game on PS4. So, oh, wow. And might be a part of that universe, although I don't know if that was ever confirmed. I know Taskmaster looks different and has a different voice actor, so maybe not. But um, I've, I've seen some gameplay of that. They've been kind of tight-lipped about it, but it looks really cool. You're going to be able to play as multiple different Marvel superheroes, um, all with their own powers and abilities. So that's super exciting. Um Another thing that I want to talk about with Crystal Dynamics is that um, after their uh, the acquisition of Eidos Interactive in 2009, they're now actually a subsidiary of publisher uh, uh, Square Enix. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now I can I remember that because I don't remember what game I played, but I think it was it showed the Square Enix symbol and then it showed um, Crystal Dynamics. Mm-hmm. Weren't they part of the Final Fantasy? I think they were in part of the development of the remaster. Yes. So Square Enix is actually well known for their RPG franchises, Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, and Kingdom Hearts, um, among many, 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 many other games and franchises. They're huge, especially after having acquired Eidos. This game also had some additional development by Eidos Montreal, um, the definitive edition port, which is the version that I think we all got a lot of experience with and been played yeah. was the that's the only version I played was uh, done by United Front Games. Um, Feral Interactive did the OS 10 and Linux ports. Oh, okay. But yeah, just a little bit of background there. Um, and then of course, Square Enix is, is a huge company. They own Taito Corporation. And again, they did acquire Eidos Interactive. Um, and they've done quite a bit of work. I mean, essentially, between Eidos and Square Enix, they've done the entire Tomb Raider franchise. Yeah. Now, Tomb Raider originally, though, was created by Core Design. That um, mm-hmm. development that. studio no longer exists. And then they were formerly owned by Eidos. But originally, you had the uh, the original Tomb Raider. With uh, the triangle titties? With the triangle titties. <laughs> That's what everybody remembers Tomb Raider for, is this damn triangle titties. Get that perfect camera angle to look at those triangle titties. Oh, man. I remember going to cons, and there would be girls with, like, foam cutouts. And oh, they would be God. Lara Croft with the triangle titties when I was when I was a tiny kid. And we'd be like, what? Is that Lara Croft? Like, what? We'd be like, she even has the triangle titties. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. That's that's a famous, famous or maybe infamous. Uh, in fact, I believe uh, in in the the sequels in either Rise or Shadow, there are alternate appearances that have the the triangle titty appearance. Of course the, it does. <laughs> of course polygonal. it does. Uh, of course, this game comes back from the uh, the PS One era. Yeah. Also available on Sega Saturn, MS DOS, not the Mac Sega. OS. So. Oh, 
Yeah, um, followed by Tomb Raider 2 and Tomb Raider 3. The, uh, the what was else? The, the Last Revelation, um, which I think ended with Laura Croft's presumed death. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a controversial thing there. There was a, a Game Boy Color version of Tomb Raider that's a different oh game. Oh, my God. There was Tomb Raider Chronicles, Curse of the Sword, also on the Game Boy Color, uh, The Prophecy, which was on the Game Boy Advance. Hit and me. then they did The Angel of Darkness, which was Core Design's last Tomb Raider entry. Uh, I think after that, uh, the series was actually very negatively received, and that's why Crystal Dynamics took over at that point with Tomb Raider, as I mentioned before, Legend, Anniversary, and Underworld, and then The Guardian of Light. Um, that's all up until this title, Tomb Raider. I guess I also kind of want to mention here, you know, in terms of the ser- the franchise history, we do have the Tomb Raider movie starring Angelina Jolie and its mm-hmm. sequel, The Cradle of Life. Yes. Yeah, those were good movies. Yeah, I, I remember watching that growing up. Mm-hmm. What about oh, you guys? Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. I remember getting the, the DVD like right after it came out, like renting it and being like, can we buy this? I loved that. Yeah, I, I, I grew up on that movie. And it's definitely something I think at some point I want to do uh, kind of a collab with Collateral Cinemas, talk about the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider movie. Because uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I always liked it. I always enjoyed it. Oh, they're good. Yeah, though. and it, the, the, the movies were really monumental for even like non-gamers. Like people just were like so captured by the story. Yeah. Because it's so, it's it's kind of, a lot of people compare, especially the games um, of Tomb Raider to Uncharted, but it's different in its own way. Because mm-hmm. um, Nathan Drake is a lot different than, than Lara Croft um, in, in her own retrospect and um, just in her character and development as well. Like Nathan, of course, has his brother and, you know, he has a little bit different backstory. And uh, while they're both, you know, rope slinging, pick using, you know, adventurers, it's a lot different. Well, this game actually was, um, at least in terms of combat, was actually heavily inspired by the Uncharted franchise. Yeah, yeah. Um, we talked about Uncharted as our season premiere this season. Um, we kind of did uh, we did the Uncharted collect- Nathan Drake collection, which is the first three games, and we Ugh. had a, a lot of fun with that. Those are games that show that not all games have to be open world. Yeah, uh, You could true. definitely have a very good linear progression style game, and I think Uncharted was based off of the original Tomb Raider. So. Yeah, they kind of bounce off of each other as you see development in them. Like I, I remember playing number four. That game made me cry so much. Yeah. Um, I remember playing number four and just thinking about Tomb Raider 2013, which is the one we played in the podcast, and kind of how just like over time, like the Tomb Raider release, and then you'd have Uncharted, and then Tomb Raider, and then Uncharted, and finally Uncharted dropped its last one, and then we got Rise. So it was just kind of like boom, 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 boom. Like they were just bouncing off of each other and kind of showing like the the male version of, of this adventurer type person and then like the female and how like they're they're similar but badass in their own way kind of thing. Yeah, I think Nathan Drake very much is like the male uh, Laura Croft, but both are, you know, kind of inspired by Indiana Jones, I would say. Yeah, yeah. They're all very much in their own little trinity, funny enough, over there. Um, They're all, you know, like the rope slinging adventurers. They go out and find, you know, the lost tomb or the the lost prophecy. Like National Treasure. Yeah. You got Nicolas Cage over there being Bill Gates. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, where, where like Laura Croft was more of a you know, like sex object, badass, you know, um, what, what's the term sex goddess, you know, kind yeah. of just, yeah. you know, just, uh, just nothing ever, ever, ever phases her, you know, dual gun wielding, you know, Nathan Drake kind of took more of a, a realistic portrayal of a yeah. flawed character. 
Uh, and it was one of the first games to incorporate like really accurate animations in all yes. of his movements and things. And so that kind of carries back over into this game. And like you said, there's been some bouncing back and forth, even though there's two different developers, Naughty Dog and uh, Crystal Dynamics. You can definitely see where they've worked off of each other. Yeah. And, and you know, you see that competition, I think, is important for the game industry. Mm hmm. And it also kind of just brings these two characters together in a, in a very different way. But it's cool, you know, to watch them kind of like, you know, draw inspiration from one another. Like even to the way, you know, like you can see um, whenever Nathan Drake is kind of climbing, you can kind of see the similar moves with the legs yeah. um, and scooting across the ledges and stuff. Like you can see a lot of the similar um, like development in the engine and stuff, which is really cool, especially if you're like a big gamer and you like know like these developers, you're like, whoa, like I saw that in Tomb Raider, like what? And then you just kind of see it tie together kind of in, in a weird way, but a cool way. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. There's the, you know, the platforming. There's the like third person fast paced action with, with you know, first person, uh, sorry, third person shooting. And there's the puzzle solving gameplay, raiding mm -hmm. tombs. One thing that's kind of unique about this Tomb Raider game that's different than you know all that came before, um, which I don't have a huge lot of experience with the previous games, but I, I did play a little bit of. I think it's Legend is the one we have, and and I I remember playing it after picking up, after playing this one and being really impressed with with 2013 Tomb Raider. I was like, let me kind of play one of the old ones, which was Tomb Raider Legend, and and it was pretty fun. I just was so enjoyed the gameplay in this one, and it's so different that. It didn't really catch my attention at the time, but I'd love to go back and kind of, you know, play that. But one thing that was different, obviously, was that in previous games where we had more of a linear progression levels, you know, Laura Croft yeah. just going across the world stuff. Here we had just one fully explorable map, mm -hmm. um, kind of moving a little bit towards the open world format, but not quite. More just just an open map like, you know, uh, your traditional Zelda games. Yeah. Uh, not unlike God of, of War. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, you know, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. What did you think about that, Alan? About which one? Just, a, you know, about, like, uh, the about gameplay the, style of this one. I liked it. I really enjoyed it. It took me a little bit to get into. The, some of the movements wasn't too fluid for me. Kind of like, you know, like crossing a log or jumping and, like, hitting your pickaxe and trying to rock climb. Like it, it, nine times out of ten it would work, but that one time you're just trying to go one time through and, you ah! know. Yeah, you push the button, you push, and you're like, you're trying to throw your axe in the wall to start climbing, and then you just fall. And I'm like, are you are you kidding me? Laura, it's like, Kale, like, fucking do what I tell you to do. I push Kale, the button, cow? you do it. Cal. I, I He's not a vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely had some of those moments myself. I was like, come on, Laura, what are you doing? Um, the, sometimes it wasn't quite as responsive as I wanted it to be. I remember, do you remember this was originally a PS3 game. Yeah, and it has moving been it from one to another kind of. Yeah. That's that's I kind of gave Lara the the benefit, the benefit of, the, of doubt. the doubt. Yeah, for sure. Because I was like, eh, you know, the game's moved up from an older console. It's not going to be as that should make responsive. It it's not remastered. <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah, right. you're right. If I mean, it was remastered, though, I'm sure it would be. I, I mean, I think that there could be because they did the the rise, and I've seen a lot of developers recently. Um, doing a lot of remasters. Um, speaking of, I forgot to mention this in news, but Mass Effect is getting a remaster. Hell yeah. I can't freaking wait. Um, but I, I know that they're doing a lot of remasters and, and making, you know, kind of like Uncharted, they're remastering and bringing it into a trilogy to kind of revamp the series and get more, you know, like they're like, I wish we had this whenever we played. And, you know, I think a, a lot of it also because of YouTubers and podcasts and, you know, live streamers, they talk about that kind of stuff. 
and devs you know they really pay attention like people think they don't they just think you know like they're like the government like they don't listen to us but you know like devs actually really listen um and uh, I think they're definitely going to be, you know, probably remastering here in the future. Maybe with like a, uh, you know, what is it like a, maybe like the, I don't know what I don't know what they would name it. Maybe Ultimate Tomb Edition or something. But I, I could see them doing that. You know, just to revamp the to franchise. Titles. I think they would probably just just probably re-release the whole series. Yeah. The, the trilogy of these, um, on the new consoles, and then make that a segue into you know possibly doing more games because I know Shadow is intended as kind of the finale of this trilogy, but there's an open opportunity for them to develop more games and if they wanted to test that out and see how excited people were about that go ahead and just do like a remastered trilogy for all three games on the next generation of consoles and you know see where it goes from there because I, I i feel like i feel like the series isn't done i feel like there's a lot more and i'd love to see them take advantage of the new hardware yeah oh yeah um, well also tying back to uncharted i mean it took them what two three years to do the nathan drake collection and then they dropped that little mini what is it uncharted new legacies uncharted well the lost legacy lost legacy yeah where they dropped that new little mini part of the the universe i could see them doing something like that maybe sam trying out an adventure or maybe jonah you know kind of in their own perspective kind of thing i think they could maybe bounce off of that and make you know like the the Lara Croft definitive edition or whatever, you know, um, I could definitely see them doing that. That would be cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I fell in love with this game right away. I had basically, um, I got hooked for when I started and I just played straight through the game. I, what I really liked about this one, you know, and, and from what I knew about the, the Tomb Raider franchise as this introduced aspects like survival, yeah. stealth and exploration to the series, um, you've got a brand new Lara Croft, which we'll talk about in a, in a little bit here, but um, we still have some of the fundamental aspects uh, of Tomb Raider. You've got the platforming, you've got the the uh, the gunplay, and you've got the quick time events, which are scattered at certain sections. But mm-hmm. this game, a lot like our last game, God of War, was just a whole new, fresh take on the franchise. Yeah, um, and I was I was really excited to see that, and uh, it actually got. You know, a, a really positive reception, um, which is which is going to be a major talking point, you know, later on. This this really worked for the series for a series that had, you know, in, in some ways maybe grown stale or just had kind of gone down the the downhill. People weren't really interested anymore. It, it wasn't yeah. relevant anymore. Well, I don't know. I think the the kind of that legend trilogy was was received fairly well, but just something that yeah, over time they they really decided to revamp it and and remake it. Um, I liked the introduction of the survival instinct. Mm-hmm. That was really cool, especially when you're stuck and you don't know what the fuck to do. Kind of reminded me more of like like Eagle Vision and yeah. Assassin's Creed. Or, you guys were what was compared that it one? to something else. I compared it to The Last of Us with Joel's uh, listening ability okay. when he can listen. You know, like when you're stuck with the clickers and stuff, and you have what to it listen like. to them. They're very similar because it it grays out everything, and you can hear things around you, or you can see you know like objects that you could maybe jump on and stuff like that. It's it's very similar to Did that. They guys... were released in the same year, so. Yeah, that's another Naughty Dog release, and that's another game that was remastered. Yeah, on uh, uh, PS4, and when we talked about The Last of Us, that's the version that we played, and that version actually was pretty well polished. I had no issues with that one. Yeah. A famous explorer once said that the extraordinary is in what we do, not who we are. I'd finally set out to make my mark. To find adventure. But instead... 
adventure found me. before us we find something something that keeps us going something that pushes us seemed lost. I found a truth. And I knew what I must become. I also like a lot of the RPG elements that were introduced in this game. Mm -hmm. um, you've got experience that's gained from uh, progress, collectibles, challenges, uh, upgradable skills, um, which help you in like with combat, hunting, exploration. You've even got weapons that you can upgrade using salvage and oh, yeah. kind of a character progression mechanic where you get better items, weapons, and equipment over time as you progress through the story. What did you guys think about that? It was pretty good. I liked it. I mean, at first the skill tree was a little confusing because it's not actually a tree. It's just like a scroll through. And um, But it was good. It was fun. I really liked, uh, yeah, you can pick and choose, you know, what weapons to you want to upgrade. And as far as your skills and your, your weapon handling skills, your survival skills, your stealth skills, you know, just all kinds of cool stuff. There was, I mean, there could have definitely been more, I feel like, as far as, you know, weapons and varieties and stuff. It was kind of limited, but... Overall, I liked it. wasn't a big fan of the the handling of the weapons, like trying to aim and shoot. It seemed a little like my sensitivity was too fucking high and it was hard to like aim, but I think they do it on purpose to force you to use the bow like they want you to use the bow. Because if you just roll guns all the time, you'd be 
finished with that game in no time, you know? Yeah, well, even though it was a short game also, I, I do kind of put it into the perspective for myself that she's, even though, you know, after, you know, like her first kill, she's like terrified and she's like crying and she's like, oh my God, I just killed somebody. And then, you know, she kind of goes right into back off you bastards like she just kind of goes straight into it but um i also think of it in a in a perspective as she's a novice you know she's not used to handling handguns and That's you true. know shotguns and t especially tommy guns you know she's an adventurer she's not just going out guns a blazing shooting people in the <laughs> middle of a war you know like and it's a world war ii era gun yeah. Um, so I think that's something that, um, I tried to think of playing the game. You know, I was like, you know, she's not experienced, you know, she doesn't know anything about this stuff. All she really knows is a bow and arrow because that's what she's used the whole time. You know, Lara Croft for her bow and arrow and her handguns eventually, but first it's her bow and arrow just to be able to get through places and, you know, get around stuff. So I try to think of it in that perspective. And I really like the add-ons to the bow. It wasn't just a bow and arrow. Like you can have add-ons for like explosive tips the uh, napalm arrows. The napalm arrows. Yeah, rope and the, arrows. And the rope arrows, the rappel arrows. Uh, well, not the rappel arrows. The, the the ones where you shoot and you can pull yeah. stuff and break things open the, for the, secret passages. Oh, the, the rope ascender. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, through and through, Laura Croft is a survivor in this game. In fact, you know, kind of, the, I think the subtitle, this game is also sometimes known as Tomb Raider, A Survivor is Born. Um, yeah. And that's one of the achievements for this game. I think that's the achievement for completing the story. Yes. That's something else new. You guys mentioned the bow. That's something that's not been seen in previous Lara Croft games. She was strictly a gun user and her with her primary, you know, weapon of choice being the dual pistols, which is very briefly seen at the end. That, yes. Um, yeah. A really cool callback that I really enjoyed being there and I kind of wish was explored in the sequels. But yeah, the, the, this game had a heavy emphasis on using the bow. That's your primary weapon at in introducing the stealth aspect and allowing you to go through most combat situations, giving you the opportunity to approach that from either you have the choice of approaching stealth or, or going into open combat. So you would use the bow for those kinds of kills. Yeah. Um, and, and it was useful for that. There's hunting, yes. you know, which you, which, which would the, the bow is kind of better for. And, you know, like you said, I did feel like the game kind of pushed that as her primary weapon. That's the one that's on all the, the promotional artwork and, and on the box art. And until you get the, the you know, pistol suppressor, or that, that's your primary yep. stealth weapon. Yes. And I don't know about you guys, but I always preferred to do stealth if I could. Yes. I would reload my checkpoint sometimes if I just, if I messed up stealth. Yeah, no, I'm like that in all games. Um, even Me like too. Skyrim, like I'm going to be like, I'm going to two two hand and wield a, a freaking uh, great sword no every time i go for stealth i'm i'm always a stealth player even in mass effect um i remember just sitting there and like waiting and watching their patterns so i could headshot like i'm so much a stealth player i don't go in guns a blazing i'm like i'm gonna sit in the background and make them wonder how the fuck i got that headshot like I'm, that's just how i am as a gamer so i loved the stealth aspect of it um i'm i was big on the bow and arrow this whole game i was like He's going to wonder what happened to his buddy, and I'm just going to do it. Like, I, I, I was big about it. It was just Ooh. sometimes confusing. Like, you'd load into the next part of the checkpoint or whatever, and then, you know, I run up, and I'm like, okay, it's only two guys. And I shoot one, and then I'm getting ready to shoot the other, and five more come down and just fuck me up. And I'm like, oh, I was supposed to stealth around. It doesn't tell you. You're just supposed to figure it out. And I'm like, like in the very beginning, yeah. you're supposed to, like, stealth crawl along that wall there. And I just kept, like not getting it i was like oh i'm getting frustrated i had to put the game down for a couple of days i was like this is this is frustrating and i picked it back up and i was like okay i'm just the idiot i'm just not getting it here <laughs> there's something wrong yeah but, no i mean after a while it was fun yeah once you get it it yeah. doesn't hold your hand at all it just kind of no. throws you in and lets you and i think that's crucial because it tells laura's story i think you know like you said she starts out as someone who's never killed before and she's 
forced to become a badass. And I think this game really took a more realistic approach to that. You know, you want to be a badass, start picking off enemies one by one. And you hear throughout the game, you know, them start to realize, who is this girl? How is she killing off so many of our men? And it's just this this survivor's will that she has. And, and she becomes a badass in a very different way than Laura was a badass in previous games. In a more realistic way, I think yeah. in a more empowering way. Yeah. Like she's an, uh, what do you call it? An archaeologist and a, a, dis- a discoverer and explorer. Not just a outright, you know, combatant, you know. She was always an archaeologist, but this game explores her as a, a real person. You know, exactly. kind of like how Uncharted took Nathan Drake. Heroes have flaws. And the thing with this is she's a badass in the sense of she always gets back up. Not yeah. in the sense of she's just graceful and no matter what, her hair and makeup is perfect. And she's just <laughs> this sex object with huge tits. I mean, she's... <laughs> she gets she, impaled by friggin' Reed Bar and just gets back up like, all right, let's go. I was like, what? It's like that anime feel. Like, she always gets back on her feet just continually. She gets beat up in this game. I mean, oh, she yeah. gets impaled at least a couple of times. Has um, to cauterize with the arrowhead. Yes, has to cauterize with the arrowhead. That's the one thing I always talk about. And Just how many times that you're platforming and suddenly shit goes down and she's falling down and she's desperately trying to get back up and you've got those quick time events. Oh, I like those. She just never stops going. She never stops believing in herself. She just keeps going right through it like it's nothing to her. Because she has to. And yeah. she's a croft. It's in her blood. Yeah. And that's hinted at later that that actually comes more from her mom's side. Her, oh. Her thirst for adventure, her thirst for knowledge is from her dad, but her mom's side is, it's you know... survivalist. Is the, yeah. That's, and you know, she's got her mentor figure, Roth, and we'll, we'll kind of get into the characters here in a bit, but um, I just really like that aspect. The climbing axe was a cool up. You know, that was another uh, item that's really focused on in this game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that one was, it was Ross, but it was originally her dad's and he had given it to him. Uh, Roth, it? right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. I know you start with the prying axe, which you just kind of pick up and then and then very quickly you get the climbing axe. And that's important. There's a lot of climbing in this game. Um I enjoyed um, just the overall traversal, and I liked being able to. Uh, there was some melee, and I loved all all the finishers with the enemies. Yep. When you upgraded those skills to, the, to master the the certain weapons, yes, mm-hmm. that was fun. The shotgun was kind of my favorite. I yeah, I'm no, a shotgun guy. Went crazy with the yeah. shotgun. I am only a shotgun user when it comes to like multiplayer games like Black Ops. Other than that, I'm like, where's the sniper? She just likes to piss everybody off. I, I like s- to piss everybody off. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> I'm a sniper guy first. So the bow was my my first choice, or the suppressed pistol later when I got that. But after that, like when it comes to open combat, shotgun all the oh, way. Oh, shotgun all the way, yeah. Because it's so fun to just lift enemies off their feet when they come up close <laughs> to you. And they do like the backflips and fall into shit. Oh god, it's so funny. I loved that aspect because it was it was, even though you know it's not as realistic and you know you don't see any like magazine changes really or anything like that. Like you can see like the back force of the gun on Lara. Like you can see her move. And then also you can see the enemies just flip and shit. And I love that they made that comedic for me because I love that shit. Just like her and um, Fallen Order just yeeting people off <laughs> with the force push. <laughs> the rat and the cactus. Oh, my God. What were those little exploding things that you could push off and then they yes. explode? She was just yeeting him into people all the time in the rats. Yeah. In the rats, yeah. I don't remember what it was, but I remember talking about that in the podcast episode we did on Fallen Order. I took the cactus, I, I force pulled it, and then I force pushed it into the rat and it was squeak. <laughs> yeah, she was doing the same thing with shotguns in this game. She yeah. just boom, like wait till he gets to the cliff, bah, and he just flies <laughs> off. 
<laughs> I'm so much of a cliff pusher. It's so fun. That that makes it more fun. Then you know, tailor it to your gameplay style. Um, I liked the rifle in, in, in certain areas of the game too. Yeah. You, know, you like you guys said, it was it, the first one you get is a World War II submachine gun and a Sten. Yeah. You just. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you ever upgrade it to get the? Um, I fully the upgraded. Scope? Did you I, use the scope? Yeah, I upgraded it, but I always forgot I had it. I never used it. Is oh it, yeah. Does it make it any different, any better? Yeah, it definitely makes it a lot easier. And you can even get a suppressor on the on the oh, rifle that's too. Right. You can, which is weird. I this is the first time that I've ever that I did this this game play style, but I did one hundred percent this game because I'd gone through the story and I didn't really know what else to do. So I just one hundred percent it. And I went back. I did. Every challenge, mm-hmm. I got every collectible, every relic, every document, all the GPS caches. That's the one thing I couldn't find was all the GPS caches. Um, once you get the map of each area, it makes it a lot easier, um, which you'll get with the optional challenge tombs. Um, but um, that the only thing I had to s- seek online help for was the challenges themselves. Yeah, I think we only had to look up one. And which one was it? It was the... Um... The puzzle? Yeah, I can't remember uh, which one we had to look up. I don't remember needing any help with the puzzle specifically, but I remember like the optional challenges that you see on the map. I think it was an optional challenge, but I, we could not figure it out. Like we both were passing the controller back and forth, like trying to get new perspectives, and we were really? like, "Oh my god, why can we not figure this out?" Like it took us forever to. Fi- I can't remember which one it was though. I can't remember either. But I she finally was... just she's like, "Do you just want me to look it up?" I was like, "Yes, please." I've tried and tried and tried. We spent like two hours on an optional tomb. That was one thing though that kind of. The, Drove me a little bit. It was bit a little nuts. bit of a letdown. Yeah. It's not enough, right? Yeah, not no, enough. I didn't. It was mostly just like the story of, you know, going here on the island and going up on the tower. Like, I wanted more of the tombs. The tombs. Like, it just felt Tomb more Raider. like a side quest yeah. thing for me. And I didn't like that perspective. Yeah, I, I really wish in the, in the, if in the sequels, they do do a lot more of the optional challenge tombs. And I think that's where the puzzle solving shines. I um, really was a fan of the puzzle solving in this one it was really challenging yeah it was and and they even get they get harder in the you know in the next couple games but no earlier i was actually when i meant said optional challenges i meant like there's actual i don't know if you guys noticed but there's actual like just little collect like challenges it'll just be like shoot this thing in the level shoot I think th- we this did many like one or two these of many of these things and so those are the ones that i had to seek online help for but oh the oh. mines and stuff yeah 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 i think we had Growing to get a couple more of those and... i think we got to like 85 or 90 percent but we didn't fully complete the game i got one random i was just like hey look a crab let me shoot it and i shot one and then nothing happened and i shot another one and it just i got a trophy it says unlocked tastes like chicken i was like oh Oh, yeah 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 i remember the the trophies are 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 fun too and then he was shooting everything like what if i shoot a seagull what i get something that says tastes like frog (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was fun to get some of the achievements as well that's that was going to be my next step was after 100 percenting just getting every trophy for this game but yeah, no, the optional challenge terms I think was kind of my favorite aspect, and I, I wish that they exp- exp- had explored that more. And thankfully, yeah. they do. I didn't really get to try the online multiplayer at all. We, there's a multiplayer? Yeah, there's a multiplayer. It's not the best. I, I heard that it was kind of disappointing, actually. It's a actually. big letdown. I was really looking forward to, once I woke up, that one segment where, I uh, can't remember what happened before, but she woke up inside. Um, oh, that's when uh, they were somewhere in the... They, they, uh, the, she was getting the co-pilot from the plane that she had called, and he's across the bridge, and she's like, going to go help him. And they like, hey, we found her. Blow up the bridge. It was a trap. Blow up the bridge and kill her. And then the the samurai guy comes out of nowhere and just fucks them all up, and they drug her up. And like next thing, you, she's waking up upside down, predator style, bunch of skin bodies around, bunch of just carcasses everywhere. And I was like, what? Like I was in, like that really. 
hooked me in there when I was like, what are these samurai guys still doing here? The, the Oni, right? Yeah. yeah. It, the, the way the way she mentioned is actually kind of how the game opens up, too. The first time you get to control Laura, she's hanging upside down. Mm. And mm-hmm. you have to swing and catch yourself on fire. And then she gets impaled. <laughs> she like catches herself on fire to I get that. Set loose and then impales herself. And she kind of just struggles through the rest of that beginning segment. Um, you're kind of getting into the story there, I guess, is a good segue. But, um, I mean, obviously this game is set on the lost island of Yamatai um, in, in the Dragon's Triangle. Now, Yamatai actually was a real ancient country. Um, there's been there's some debate other whether, whether that's in modern day Yamato or somewhere else. But some people do believe that there is you know this lost country, and uh, this game portrays it being an, another real life thing, the the Dragon's Triangle, which is you know basically the Pacific Bur- P- Pacific Bur- Bermuda Triangle is another name for it, or the Devil yeah. Sea. Yeah. Um, Laura Laura has a hunch that Yamatai is in the Dragon's Triangle, and so she sets on an expedition with the uh, rest of the members of the Endurance, yep. looking for that, and they get shipwrecked, and they get stuck on this island that will not let them go for some reason that Laura increasingly learns may be you know supernaturally related. I always like that about Tomb Raider is that, you know, in the, the games, the movies, it always is that the, the most of the game is just kind of um, doesn't seems to be your typical adventure, doesn't seem to be any supernatural components. And then, boom, you know, You're Uncharted like, does that, too. Yeah. Where at the very end, suddenly it's it's supernatural. Um, the other real life figure that, you know, was borrowed, borrowed from real life was Himiko, the Sun Queen. Mm-hmm. She's ultimately the antagonist of this game and the one pulling the strings. Yep. She's uh, a puppeteer. I'm a huge, you know, Japanophobe. I love anime culture <laughs> and Jap- Japanese culture, so I really enjoy the setting of this game quite a bit. Yeah, I loved a lot of the the ties in, like you said, to the real history. Um, it was really, really cool how she. It, it's not talked about much, which I, I honestly, you know, like I said before, I didn't really like the fact that you know we couldn't really get too much story out of it. I mean, altogether, if you skip the cutscenes, it's like ten to fifteen hours of gameplay. Um, but there's so a lot of lore. Game. There's a lot of game and and lore. But it's it's hidden kind of more in the in the pickups that you yeah. get with a lot of the documents. So you have to. Yeah. It is more of a reader um, if you if you want to get into the lore. Yeah, I kind of just let those play in the background, and I, that's when I would go to go grab myself a drink or something and listen to it in the background. And I thought all of the the um, the relics in the game, all the artifacts, were really interesting. I like the ones that were interactable, and you could find another component of it. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and kind of move it around. I liked if you play the definitive edition, uh, moving using the the PS Four's trackpad. Um, actually, this game made effective use of moving to the PS4. Yeah, um, yeah, they kind of moved it up a little bit. You, there's a lot of even like voice commands and stuff, and then they gave yeah. a lot of a lot of things you can do with the trackpad and. I thought it was really cool. Again, as we mentioned earlier, this game is a reboot of the Tomb Raider series, both in gameplay and story. So we have a brand new Lara Croft, who's a young archaeology graduate, younger than she's ever been in any other yeah, games. She's like, what, 22? 25, maybe. I, I think she's even younger than that. I think she's she just graduated um, uh, just graduated college. Uh, I don't Probably think like she's... Probably 22, 23. I don't think she's much older than us. I think I looked it up and... And she's only, I think she may, may have been born in like in the 90s somewhere, like 92 or something. So, yeah, she's she's young in this game. And um, obviously a great performance by Camilla Luddington. Um, I actually know her from Grey's Anatomy. She plays the character Joe. Who, she did the voice and motion capture performance. She's gorgeous. And yeah. she really puts her all into this, into this performance, you can tell. Great pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
She, and she's a great, um, I think she's great for the part too because, you know, Laura's a beautiful woman, but they didn't go for the angle of this just big, busty, you know. Bimbo, yeah. And, and it, that seems kind of controversial because that's what Laura Croft is known for. And when they, we'll talk about this in a bit, when they released the 2018 movie with Alicia Vikander, a lot of people, you know, casual audience didn't get it. They didn't yeah. understand why Laura was, was portrayed this way. Like, where's Angelina Jolie? Who's this? She doesn't look anything like her. So this game was just going for a reimagining of that and, and showing, you know what I mean, what it actually means to be a badass and not have to, you know, appeal to the male fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, sometimes when she was crawling up ladders, I'm, you know, <laughs> staring at that ass. That ate. They, they looked real nice in those in those jeans. I'm just gonna I'm just Her gonna put it out pants. there in those cargo <laughs> pants. Yeah, looked even nicer with the pistol I'm on the side. Explore that womb. I mean, to whom? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um. The other characters in this game were also really endearing. I liked uh, Roth, her mentor figure. Yes. Um, her best friend Sam too. Her best friend Sam is a really interesting character that I'm kind of sad didn't make it into the next few games. Yeah, and also she has her own tie. Into this, the, yeah, um, the, was it Yamata? yeah, she's a she's a some kind of she's the descendant, descendant, yeah, yeah. Descendant. descendant of Himiko, yeah, um, which just makes her the the target, and she's the damsel in distress of the story. And a guy Laura, doesn't save her. Laura her rescues her, saves her. And I, yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of felt like there were vibes there. There was some chemistry that was put into there. Uh, a lot of fans speculated that there was some kind of romantic she connection. She just graduated more than from friends? college, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they had to have made out at some point. How do you... It's a lot of alcohol involved on ships. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, so grim was A lot of downtime. Oh, yeah. Grim. He was great, too. That Scottish bastard. Um, I liked uh, uh, Jonah. Jonah. And, uh, he was a great Jonah. character. He makes it into the next few games. Alex was a fun character. Uh, who You know, this guy who was just kind of this awkward, dirty guy who obviously had a crush on Laura. And she, I like how when he's, she's dying, she gives him a little kiss on the cheek. Yeah. And, you know, and, and she is genuinely sad to see him go. Um, characters I didn't like, Dr. Whitman. Nope. Fuck yeah, him. No, fuck that guy. Um, I didn't like Reyes. She was kind of a bitch, honestly. Yeah, well, I, I noticed um, it's very short, um, but in the uh, video camera, when she has the playback, you can see Roth and Ray is going into her room. Yeah. So they had a love interest, and clearly, you know, like it's it's Laura's fault that he died. You know, like she's pissed off that her her banging buddy's dead. And if so. you pick up one of the, I think you're about to touch on it, huh? The one of the um, documents. Documents. It, her her daughter is uh, Roth's. Yeah. 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 But, but she never told him that. She just kind of withheld that from him. Yeah. yeah. And she's like kind of a. Regretful about it. So they were lovers, and there's kind of that, you know, love story. Roth dies about halfway through the game, and it's a sad moment. Lara picks up his pistol. I like in the end of the game when she uses both pistols. Yeah. And and you know, and there's that moment where the dual pistol returns, and she's just fucking up. Uh, Matthias. Yeah. Matthias, who is the the main villain of uh, of this story, you know, primarily. Creepy looking guy. Himiko is the Sun Queen. She's the the antagonist pulling the strings. But Matthias is definitely, and his Solari Brotherhood are the you know chief, like tribe, I guess. Yeah, the moving antagonist, the the, the face that you see, and he's you know he's kind of a, a menacing figure. Right. He's desperate to do anything it takes to get off the island, and manages to involve this entire Brotherhood, all these people that come to the island over the years, you know, into his cult, which turns out to be true. But the endurance survivors are just kind of feeling like. These people are just crazy, which they are. Yeah, they, you know, you're stuck on an island. You don't have any technology and you're trying to get off this fucking island and all you have is shipwrecks and 
plane wrecks and I mean you can even see you know like you literally climb through ships and on old planes as you're going through the island so I mean that makes sense of all eras at that the yeah. Nazis were there at one point the yes. Japanese the Japanese the, you know uh, all kinds of 1700 ship yeah there's the there's artifacts and documents from all those eras you have you know the original ancient Japanese Yamatai stuff you've got the Nazis you've got all these people that came the in the British. island of the air and even yeah oh, you can see that big battleship which is weird that we never got to explore I wanted that. to explore that, that would have been cool because you could see it. a ledge where you could climb on it but I remember trying to go over to it and it couldn't it wouldn't let me hmm. jump over to it yeah Maybe yeah. it's part of a, the Definitive Edition, because I don't know if I have that. The, the Shipwreck Beach was actually really cool. Uh, definitive Edition is the version on PS4. Yeah, I think, I think I, I, I don't know. I remember playing mostly the 2013 game. I don't remember um, what all we had on this one. But Definitive Edition is just literally just the port. Yeah. Um, and it, Yeah. But yeah, all the characters were really great. I really felt a connection with all of them. I, I liked the various forces you fight against the game, the Solari Brotherhood, which... Laura just picks off one by one at the end. You finally fight the Oni. Yeah. Which was really interesting. Um, and I, and I really enjoyed this game as an origin story for Laura Croft. I liked the, the differences in her characterization as yeah. mentioned earlier. Um, what did you guys think about, you know, as far as graphics goes, like how does this game look? It was actually, I really enjoyed it. I was impressed. I was like, this is 2013. Like this could pass for, you know, 18 and or more. Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, a lot of good graphics in, in that part. Um, I know there's a part where you're climbing up the um, the tower. That that part is really really beautiful. Where you can it, it's kind of, and it's destructive own kind of beauty. It's really pretty to see all you know these like nature overgrowing all of these ships and planes and helicopters and all sorts of shit. Yeah, for a PS3 game that apparently wasn't even remastered, this game looks gorgeous. I remember. Uh, my friend Aubrey coming over and, and noticing how good this game looked and me telling him, well, this is a PS3 game. So, I mean, really, the, the presentation was great. The graphics were great. I don't know if there's really any differences between the original and Definitive Edition. Um, if anything, I would have expected the Definitive Edition to maybe play a little bit better. But y'all are saying maybe that has something to do with maybe the game being a little unresponsive, which can happen. I've seen it happen with ports before. Yeah. But overall, I felt the controls and the handling were good. I mean, the game yeah. is mostly playable. There's not a lot of... Um, issues and glitches just maybe sometimes the timing is kind of hard to pull off on yeah yes um it's very much a timing game almost like um the tie into some of our early episodes um tying in kind of like fallen order how mm -hmm. there's like there's moments where you have to be right on time with the timing or you're gonna get crushed or you're gonna fall or you're gonna die somehow very violently <laughs> yeah I loved all the, the, the quick time event sequences, you know, as I, I, we briefly mentioned earlier. Um, in some of the more crucial sections of the game or the fast moving, you, you had to quickly press those buttons. Um, and there's even some of that in just the regular melee as well, you know, yeah. the, the dodge counters. The finishers. And, yeah. So, um, oh, but the shotgun finisher. Timing yeah. was important. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this game was critically acclaimed, it has a lot of positive reception. Uh, I think people really liked the direction that the story went and then the gameplay went. Um, I think people really enjoyed, you know, just this new take on, on Laura and on Tomb Raider. Uh, the game overall is just a very tight game. Like you said, it's not very long, but yeah. it's a game that I myself found myself replaying several times and not mining. Like it's a, I want to say, I think Rise of Tomb Raider and Shadow Tomb Raider are better games, um, but this game really... Um, Set the stage. It's at the stage, and it's and it's a very, um, it's a good just, uh, it's a good set piece. It's a good foundation. 
Yeah, and it's just fun to come back to. Like, I find myself wanting to just replay through the story again once in a while. Um, You with Tomb Raiders, like me with Mass Effect, honestly. Like, I I, kind of was like that. Um, I remember playing Tomb Raider originally. I didn't play much of it because I had picked up um, some other games, of course, you know. As, you know, an avid gamer, you're just like, oh, what's this? Oh, what's this? And then you have 10 games that you're like, I've played through the prequel and nothing else. So um, I, I, I did find a good time getting back to it, um, being able to play through it. But that's just, I don't know. I think maybe if I played the next two, it might be a series that I would get back into yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I really had a lot of fun with the, with the sequels and, and getting to the series. And um, I do want to touch on that. But um, one thing that um, was actually criticized in this game, and I we actually kind of mentioned earlier, is there does seem to be maybe a discrepancy between Lara's characterization and, and then the player actions. You know, she seems to have regret over killing people, and then suddenly, you know, she's just this badass that kills everyone. But yeah, I feel like that's more just explained by necessity. She becomes the badass. Yeah, That's true. I just kind of wish there was a little bit more of acknowledgement there because, you know, it, it is a lot to take a life, of course. And, uh, you know, she's very, like, stricken and scared, you know, at first. And then all of a sudden she's just, come at me now, bastards, kind of thing. Like, it's just kind of <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, and even though, you know, it is needed, you know, she's a survivalist and everything, I kind of wish that it touched a little bit more on, you know, Lara's internal character a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, brought more of her own, you know, like oh my God, it just killed all these people, you know, maybe more understanding of why, you know, these people have gone crazy being stuck on an island. She's more just like, they're crazy. I need to save my friend. We need to get off the island. Like she's very, I don't know, she may be kind of that type where she doesn't have as much emotion as others. Uh, maybe she's more cut dry and to the point, uh, kind of like her dad. Well, these people came at trying to kill her. So she's just yeah. going into defense mode. She yeah. wants to get kill off the island. Um, I do think that that scene where she says like later on, you know, uh, yeah, that's right, you bastards. It's actually one, one of my favorite moments in the entire game. It's right yeah. after she gets the grenade launcher, and you just feel this empowerment as up until that point, Lara's just kind of had to sneak around and and get between, and, and she's kept where she needed to. Here, she just finally, you know, there's this just empowerment moment where, you know, they're running away from her, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She's got a grenade launcher. She's like, that's right, run, you bastards. And <laughs> I just loved it. That's a really hard segment of the game, so you play it over and over and over again, and you hear her saying that, but it, yeah. it was just fantastic. Um, one thing that is important about, specifically the scene that you mentioned where, you know, where she takes her first life, mm-hmm. and 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 it's and you see that moment face. That scene actually caused you know uh, earned a lot of controversy um, for being a depiction of you know what looked to be sexual assault. In fact, prior to this game coming out, there were rumors that there was going to actually be a rape plot. <gasps> no, God, that's a little far. That's, that's a little scary. Much. But I think the way you know, and obviously it didn't happen. But I think the the reality though is these these things happen. They do. Yeah. Happen. I mean, we don't shy away from it in movies. There are some movies that have graphic depictions of things because they happen, and we can't ignore that they happen. We don't want to yeah. glorify it, and it definitely is or normalize here. it. Yeah, we want to keep it. You know, keep the stigma away. And yeah, she kills that guy dead whenever he does it. And actually, if you let the the scene play to its conclusion, he actually just kills her. He doesn't do anything. Oh, okay. So, but you know, there is that scene. You know, where where he's you know just kind of like touching her, and it's very uncomfortable. And he's forcing himself, and you know, she kills that guy. She just <laughs> murders him, and you know, she, sh- she takes the gun and just shoots him right in the face. And of course, she's shaking up. She's never taken a life before, and it's it's a. It's a really um, sobering moment, but at the same time, um, 
again, it's empowering and it puts the power in her control. And I thought it was a good representation. Um, I guess I'm glad that it didn't end up being a rape plot if that was ever yeah. even part of the development. Because I just think that that would have been just too much. It's a little too much. I mean, we need to acknowledge that these things do happen. But in a video game setting where it's like PG-13 for a lot of kids and yeah. above, it's, it's a little much. That's one thing that kind of um, I, I would be scared of because, you know, like, you know, growing up and playing, you know, video games as a kid, like, that's not something, you know, I'm playing through a game and I'm playing the first time. I don't want my child to see that, you know. And you, a lot of people, I don't think, think of that. Because, you know, there aren't a lot of, you know, gamers that are parents. And, you know, I remember growing up playing Zelda and, you know, even Metroid, as scary as it could be, playing Metroid and, you know, all of those games. And, you know, I, I think that would be a very terrifying thing for a little girl to see. Yeah, it would be. But again, this game isn't meant for children. It's yeah, an M-rated game, and there's, there's plenty of profanity and graphic. And I really think that the game took that to the next stage because I don't remember the previous Lara Croft games being as mature. I mean, I could be wrong, but I felt like this one really ramped it up and uh, just had everything, you know, the, the people on the island. I remember my parents were watching me play this game, and the people on the island are foul-mouthed. So, yeah. and you know, my parents are like, what are you playing? And I'm like, listen, these things are in movies. Like people cuss. I mean, I mean, it's just characterization. You can't blame it because it's just being realistic. That's and they want to captivate you into the story and make it as realistic as possible. Plus, if these people are coming out on boats, you know, some of them are old time sailors. <laughs> There's always the saying, the sailor's mouth. Like yeah. I can't even deny that my dad was Charlie Gulf. And I mean, just my dad has a foul mouth from being on ships for years and years. Well, you try being stuck on an island that you can't get off of. Yeah, you're going to say fuck a lot. You're going to say fuck a lot. You know, yeah. (laughs) As long as I could have the whoopee, I'd be fine. (laughs) But, um, yeah, we we mentioned it a couple other times, but there are a couple sequels to this game. There was Rise of the Tomb Raider uh, back in uh, 2015, I believe, and then uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider in 2018. Um, I've played actually quite a bit of these. Rise of the Tomb Raider was originally a timed exclusive, which did get it a lot of controversy. It only came out on Xbox One, and then a year later, they released the 20th anniversary version on other consoles, PS4. So I had to wait for it, because I have a PS4. Um, But I really enjoyed the game. These games actually did take Tomb Raider to the next generation of consoles, fully take advantage of the hardware. They introduced, uh, and Rise of the Tomb Raider introduced crafting uh, 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 mechanisms, Um, Crafting your own arrows instead of just finding them everywhere. But, I mean, that kind of made it make sense because there was a lot of Japanese. and uh, Yeah, I mean, they had their their battle ready. I got the arrow retrieval skill right away, so I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider was actually a huge jump, I think, for the series because, uh, like I said, the crafting mechanics were really nice and they fit in naturally with the survival aspects. Really, I think, introduced a lot of things that... I think should have been in the game to begin with, but I'm glad that they ended up being, it brings the game closer to being an actual open world game where you actually had side missions and the map is bigger and more explorable. Um, and more optional tombs. Finally, yes. the challenge, a lot more of the challenge tombs were available. And so you really get that tomb rating aspect mm-hmm. in the puzzles and their difficulty, even though that, that, name is so like violent like tomb raider like god damn are you just killing everything in there even though it's dead <laughs> did you guys like the tongue-in-cheek reference there where she she drops in the tomb i hate tombs yeah that was so funny <laughs> i thought that was great um but yeah a lot more optional tombs were in rise um and the game actually kind of brings a little bit of back of that tomb raider experience where laura kind of goes uh laura kind of goes around the world a little bit so there's i remember that's kind of that entry segment in syria the game takes place in Siberia primarily um, and introduces another plot that's supernaturally enhanced. It's Laura who's 
now that she's seen some shit, she's kind of like, well, there's something, you know, right to my father. She set out on this venture to kind of follow in her father's footsteps and see what captivated him so. And But in Rise of the Tomb Raider, she realizes he was right. And so she's going into his notes and following down his footsteps too. To the chagrin of her chagrin, to the downside withdrawal of her of her own mental health and other characters like Jonah who returns. Her father, they touch more on the fact that her father was absent in her life. Yeah. And because of, of the work that he did. And they take you into Trinity, an organization that's hinted at in some of the collectibles for this game. Uh, and they actually take center stage into the main antagonistic force in the next two games. What I also liked was that um, there are multiple weapons of each type. The collect and use. Um, you can upgrade equipment, and uh, there's more skills. The Laura's skill upgrading is more extensive. There's a whole extra Croft Manor campaign um, that's accessible from the main menu. Various different expeditions you can access separately. An actual DLC. I don't think this game had any DLC. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I did want to ask you: um, Is there a lot more boss fights in in these? Because I don't know. I I felt like it there was, was it was pretty anticlimactic when you finally fight that giant you know, Japanese warrior who's dragging his little silent hill blade. And you, I mean, it was kind of, it was tough to kill him, but after that, there was like, there was not many boss fights It at reminded all. me, honestly, of a Zelda boss. Like, I just kind of felt like I was playing a weird adventurous version of Zelda, like, honestly. Yeah. Um, I, I just kind of, I wished for more boss fights, you know? Like, they're hyping up these, you know, the Oni and the Solari, and you're just waiting for, like, this big holy shit moment like we had in God of War with that fight with Baldur. Yeah. Like, I wanted something like that, and, and it was kind of sad for me to not get that. Because I'm really big on those intense boss fights where you have to stop after you play, and you're sweating profusely, and you, like, need <laughs> intense alcohol. Like, that's that's the kind of gameplay that I love, you know, those big boss fights where you're just sitting there, and you look at, you know, like, I, I of course, have, a, you know, an Apple Watch, um, where you're looking at your heart rate, and I'm like, Oh my god! Like I love those kinds of boss fights, so I was really hoping for that, and I did. I didn't really feel that I got that with this game, which I was kind of sad about because you know, like there is a lot of hype for you know these badass warriors, and then you know you just take them down with a fucking shotgun. Like what? <laughs> the, that final scene, actually, though, um, where you do fight the big guy is actually kind of cool. You shotgun him in the in the back and yeah. shit. But yeah, I can't say that I I have come across any boss battles at all in the other two games. Maybe I just haven't played far enough in. I've only played maybe halfway through Rise and probably even less, maybe about a third of of Shadow. But um, and also I don't know if it gets any harder, but maybe just because they were you know these islanders and they were you know kind of trying to survive. But even on the hard difficulty, these enemies were so easy in this game. They were. They were easy. Um, I think the other games did ramp up the difficulty a little bit. And also, I felt that this game focused a little bit more on combat than I would have liked it to. I would have liked to have seen a bigger emphasis on puzzles. And exploration. And exploration. And, yeah. Um, in, in, in the original. Um, and yeah, it was t- it, for me, it was too much necessary combat. There's too much ne- uh, necessitated open combat, I felt like. Uh, obviously, there's those situations once in a while where they want you to force, force you into open combat, but I almost felt like there was a little bit too much of that game, and there should have been more scenarios where I had the option of choosing Sneak. stealth versus yeah. open. Um, She's but, a tiny little girl, you know? Like, she could, if you can, you know, get a 30-pound pole on a, on a bow like that, on a compound bow... You can sneak around, you know, like if she's that strong, she can find herself, you know, up in a spot and take them all out. Like there's a lot of, 
you know, old wreckage and stuff that she could hide in. Like, I kind of, I, I agree with you. I wish for more stealth in this game. Yeah, and they do do improve on the last game, in the next few games, especially in Shadow. There's more things you can do with stealth. And not only that, but in this game, like, once you fuck up, you fuck up. You have to reload your checkpoints, and um, and you, you can't... Um, any, you know, I, I was big on that. I'm, I'm huge on, on. Uh, I have to play stealth. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about that earlier. Yeah. But um, in, in the other games, it's not so much that when you just fuck up, you fuck up, and you get a little bit more opportunity. I remember, uh, especially in Shadow, there was there was a moment where I could keep. One thing that they brought in Rise that was notably absent in this game is the ability to swim. Laura doesn't swim in this game, and I feel like that's kind of a key. Uh, mechanic in a lot of Tomb Raider games yeah so even in the even in the 64 one yeah so this game finally uh Rise of the Tomb Raider brought back the ability to swim uh Shadow of the Tomb Raider wasn't quite as big of a jump because it's the same console but I really felt like it refined and expanded on what worked in Rise and and did introduce a couple new mechanics like uh rappelling down the climbable sections of wall um the swimming was completely overhauled and the controls were done better and you can do stealth takedowns while swimming uh, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider does focus quite a bit more on puzzle and exploration than the previous two. So even more so, I think Rise did a better balance. And I think Shadow really extremely focuses on puzzle and exploration, which some people may not prefer, but I do. Yeah, that's the kind I of really stuff I it. like. I like the, the head scratchers. Like, how the fuck am I going to do this? Like, yeah. I have to figure it out without looking it up. I'll spend two hours just calmly trying to figure this shit out. But I, I did felt that the puzzle solving in, in Tomb Raider was done well. What what there I just wish there was oh, a little yeah. bit more. Kind of like Uncharted. The first Uncharted game, there was just very little in the way of puzzle solving. But when it was there, it was it was really really good. Yeah. And I'm glad that the you know the games after that did a, you know uh, implemented that more often. So uh, Shadow definitely focuses more on the puzzle and exploration. Um, there's a little bit more traveling across the world, especially in the beginning. Um, and I felt like the game overall was tighter than its predecessors. Like, it's just a very tight game. Um, both Rise and Shadow, the graphics look even better. Um, Camilla Luddington um, really shows, like, you can see her face and um, her expressions. Um, oddly enough, I think there's a couple things from Rise that I had missed that, that didn't show up in Shadow, like the Croft Manor. Uh, and and the, the in-game menus were a little less functional. But overall... I've been playing both of those games a lot lately after having beat this one. I was mm -hmm. really impressed. I want to play more because their magnitudes, I think, larger in scale than Tomb Raider, um, both in content and map size. I think objectively they're better games, and I almost wish we would have talked about one of them. Yeah. <laughs> had we known. But um, wish I had played some of Rise, so I did have some inkling of that. Well, we could sneak one of those in next season. Yeah. I mean, we could. We definitely could revisit this franchise. I'm not opposed to it. But Yeah, um, y'all tell us what you want. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, but the reason I did one is still, and I, I'm still I'm glad that we did Tomb Raider. I mean, we did original. have to start out with the the first, of course. You got to you got to do that. Yeah, it was responsible for reinventing the franchise for yeah. the modern era, introducing the survivor version of Laura, and it sets those precedents that come in the games after. So you've got the bow, the climbing axe, the explorable map, campfires, optional tombs, upgradable skills and equipment, survivor instinct, hunting, um, all of these things that are now staples in yeah. in Tomb Raider games. Um, short of the other you know side series that they're doing right now and there are a few we've got laura croft in the temple of osiris which we mentioned earlier that yeah. came after this uh there's the relic run game there was laura croft go um and we touched upon this earlier too but there's the 2018 movie starring alicia vikander um which she is very very beautiful she actually 
Um, from I, I didn't actually, we didn't get the chance to watch the movie, but from what I've seen of the the trailers and stuff, it looks like she did a pretty dang good job. It, it's an all right movie. I mean, I really respect it for being uh, an adaptation of one of my favorite games and something that you know I really enjoyed. So I was super excited about it. I mean, when you looked at the artwork, they look like they ripped her costume straight from the game. They have the bow. They have the same climbing axe in the game. Oh, it's, so it was, it was it was based off of this game, right? It's a direct adaptation, albeit it's a loose adaptation. The events aren't exactly the same, but it is set on Yamatai. And, and you know, and it, it does feature that the characters on the endurance being st- stranded there, although not all of them are there. But Matthias is the the the, uh, villain, the uh, villain in the story. He's the antagonist. Himiko's in the story. They kind of take a different path with her, and there's some more stuff with Lara's father that's quite a bit different. I guess I don't want to spoil it. But you sold me. I'm going home and watching that shit tonight. I, I, I think you <laughs> ought to because they really take a lot of aspects of this game and. It's considered a loose adaptation because the story does take quite a few different turns, but the premise is exactly the same, and and they it was definitely heavily inspired. Um, I mean, like I said, they ripped the costume and the aesthetic straight from here. I kind of wish they'd used Camilla Luddington, though, not going to lie. I mean, Alicia yeah. Vikander's great, but I feel like, because the movie kind of got a mixed reception. It wasn't, um, like I said earlier, a lot of people didn't get it. I don't think it was marketed well enough because a lot of people were just kind of like, well, who's this new girl? She doesn't look anything like Angelina Jolie. Yeah. We're, yeah we're, that's what people are used to, too. Where are her boobs? <laughs> yeah, she's she's a smaller woman. Alicia Vikander. I know she's also in... Wasn't she in the Assassin's Creed movie? Was she? I think she was in the Assassin's Creed movie. Hold on. Maybe. I actually kind of liked the Assassin's Creed movie. I appreciated it for that too. Um, and I appreciated this movie for being an adaptation. And they actually, they kind of tie it back into the original Tomb Raider. Uh, I wouldn't mind it being a series. A little bit more. They I, they do t- t- hint that at the end and kind of show her picking up. Um, so I think they will take a different route and not continue to follow the game storyline. And, and they'll just kind of, kind of throw back into... Because the game, the movie also was meant to be an origin story of Laura becoming a badass. Whereas... In the games, it's this whole trilogy that yeah, forms that. That's true. Oh no, it's um, Marion Cotillard. She's um, she's um, what's her name in um, Dark Knight Rises? Oh, okay. I'm trying to think about what I saw her in because I remember Alicia Vikander from a really big movie. Good picture. Um, this is her in Tomb Raider right here. I can't see from there. Are you blind? I'm blind. <laughs> Yeah, I thought the movie was all right, and and I definitely would watch more. I just think like a lot of people, it just kind of went over a lot of people's heads. Yeah. Um, why did they reboot it? And you know, a lot of people think, well, why are they doing so many reboots? Well, they rebooted it because the game rebooted, and we needed a, an adaptation of the modern version of Lara. And the movie came around the the same year that the uh, the Shadow of the Tomb Raider came out. Yeah, that and we need to reboot movies for this next generation. You know, yeah, Angelina Jolie was our generation. They need someone happening now. For this generation. Yeah. And this game series rebooted, I think, because it needed to. And it was very positively received. Yeah. The reboot was... was uh, Reboots aren't bad as long as they're good. As long as you genuinely did something fresh and new uh, that still honors the original. I think this game does. But it, in itself, it's, it's a new game. It's completely different. It just... It takes the series in a new direction. And that's okay. We, we move on. Um, I'm excited to see where the series could go from now. Not going to lie. I really hope that they do continue to produce. I mean, like I said earlier... If maybe they want to release this game, um, you know, the, the trilogy as like remastered on the next console, that can pave the way for them to start developing if they haven't already, you know, the next Tomb Raider game. Yeah. Obviously, I think Crystal Dynamics has been working on Avengers. So, um, yeah. going back to the movie, 
I remember. She is the robot in Ex Machina. Okay. Ooh. That's where I remember. Because I, I remember watching Ex Machina um, a couple months before the Tomb Raider was released, the movie with Alicia Vikander. And I was like, oh, that's the robot girl. Uh, yeah, so she's uh, she's the one who's in uh, Ex Machina. She's the robot. Okay. I'll have to. Yeah, I haven't actually seen that one. but I think it's on Netflix. Isn't, I'll have to check it out. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? You know, I guess we'll kind of kind of wrap it up from here, but what are your final thoughts on Tomb Raider, Alan? Final thoughts. I mean, overall, I mean, it is an older game, and we're seeing the other two far better than this one, but the, again, this one was the platform to build off of. Primary. Primary. But, uh, I mean, overall, I mean, without even playing the other two, I mean, I played, like, a mission or the other one, but I'd say, like, three and a half stars out of five. I mean, it was good. It was fun. A lot of improvements need to be tweaked, which I think they fixed in the next couple ones here. But, uh, I mean, it was a little bit hard to get into for me. There was a different hook point for me. You were hooked from the beginning. I was hooked, like, maybe, you know, 25% of the way in. Uh, overall, it was a fun, good game, though. Um, I, I liked... Like you guys were touching on, I like, you know, sometimes I want to go kick in the fucking door, but sometimes I want to sneak around and just put arrows through people's heads. But yeah, just there's something that, I mean, we can maybe see possibly in a remaster. Um, overall, great game, though. I mean, it's pretty fun. Um, did want to see more backstory of the, uh, the what is it, the Himatai? Yamatai? Yamatai. You were mixing Himiko and Yamatai? Yes. And uh, Sam. Like, there was no background story on Sam and how she's even Except that she's blood. just, oh, I have her blood. I'm excited to go to the island. Oh, no, shipwreck. There's a comic series, actually, that delves into that. Uh, really? There are, there are comics that tie in um, before and after. Um, because the other games actually don't feature Sam. The only character that returns with Lara is Jonah. 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 Oh, I love him. But um, a lot of the other characters show up in, in the comics, and there's a lot of context. And the other games do kind of delve more into some backstory. And um, I liked a lot of the lore in the game. Uh, but what what did you think about it, Megan? Um, I agree with Alan. I think it was a little bit harder to get into the game for me, um, even though I'd played it before. Um, I think also um, I kind of had a turning point after, I'd say after you get the Tommy gun. It was like right, right at that point when she started kind of coming into her own was really the big part for me where I kind of got into it. Other than that, I mean, it was a really good game. It definitely had some improvements, but I like the fact that it kind of tied in this novice kind of feel, even though, you know, like, you could blame it on the, the gaming or, you know, like, the the porting of it. But I honestly think, like, that was done on purpose to kind of show you, like, hey, she's not used to holding a machine gun and shooting it or, you know, holding a pistol and getting used to, you know, the recoil and, you know, getting used to switching magazines and things like that. So I, I really enjoyed that perspective. Um, I think it is a good thing. I'm not a feminazi, but it's a good thing for female empowerment, you know, especially if, you know, you're a younger girl, you know, able to play this game and, you know, not be scared by the gore or anything. You know, it kind of, it, it inspires you to be that badass. You're like, I want to go climb a fucking cliff and go kill somebody. Like, it, it, it inspires you. Um, in, in a positive a, way. Yeah, she's, she's a positive character. She never stops going. Um, and this game is really, really monumental, I think, in its own series. Like I said, like kind of like, you know, she's the female Nathan Drake. She's a badass. Um, and, I, and I really, really loved that, um, you know, as, as you go on into the series, it just becomes a very good series, a good game. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Um, you know, in terms of the ha weapon handling, I think actually, and it just occurred to me, but it's actually when you upgrade the weapons using salvage, 
that's actually what improves things like the recoil and, and the handling. So if, if um, you kind of go out of your way and, and upgrade everything, the handling is she a lot better. She gets a little bit more used to it, you know, there, probably when she breaks it down and everything. There's yeah. specific upgrades that mention to uh, decrease recoil yeah. and things like that. So um, I think that is kind of the point is the games were, I mean, the, the weapons were hard to use at first. And then when you upgrade them, they become better. And in the, the sequels, you have uh, what different weapons of each type with different stats. I'm excited. So you have some that have, you know, there's there, it'll be like where it increases damage, but it decreases rate of fire or, or handling accuracy, or yeah. accuracy. Th- like there's an a old whole RPG. Yeah, there's a whole stats or or kind of like um, you know, in Call of Duty when you when you pick your guns and yeah. stuff. So there is a lot mo- more of that, and there's multiple weapons you can pick from, and there's more that you can upgrade. But um, as far as my final thoughts go, I definitely uh, this game. I think it is, is one of my favorites, having played it before. Kind of coming back to it, I, I, I'm kind of like you guys. I'm not as impressed with it. And I think after playing other games that are more refined and after playing the sequels to this game that are more refined, you know, I'm a little, I've been a little spoiled. So, <laughs> you know, there are some parts of the frustrate me, but I do really enjoy this game for reinventing the franchise. I, I actually am glad in the end this is the one we picked because I think it was really important to reinvent Laura as a, positive role model who can show that women can be a badass without being uh, a sex icon. Yeah. Yes. A good feminine, uh, feminine, uh, female role model. That's um, the word I was looking for. Sex icon earlier. Oh yeah. You're like sex goddess. Sex goddess. I was like, what is, what is the term? Sex icon. Um, which is fine. I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with having, you know, f- women having sexuality and exploring that. We don't slut that. shame here. Yeah. We're not slut shame, but I think that this appeals to a wider audience and it isn't just kind of, you know, appealing to the male fantasy. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a time and a place for that. I'm glad that this game could carry Laura into the modern era and show um, Laura in that in that positive light. And, you know, I, I love the direction that the, the gameplay has gone in. I love the survivor feel. I love uh, the stealth aspects that were added. Uh, I love the setting because I'm, you know, as I said before, I love Japan and I love the yes. culture. Yeah, that was really, really fun for me, too. I love exploring the it in-game a, lore. It was a good staple for its time era. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. only seven years ago, but in the gaming community, that's that's pretty... Uh, that's old. Yeah. And Three years ago is old for a lot of gamers. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, this was 2013, so yeah. I mean, that was... You know, that's that's seven years now. So, yeah, it's almost a decade old now. You know, you can compare it to The Last of Us, which definitely is a more polished game. But yes. think about it this way. This game had a much shorter development. Yeah, that one was... The original Last of Us was in development for what, like four or five years? And they're still, you know, it, up from then until now, I think it was the same year, 20, I think they released, it was, yeah, they were both released. 13. They were both released in 13. Um, Last of Us Part Two has been, been being worked on for seven years. Yeah. Longer than Ghost of Tsushima. That's the difference. And, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. I remember I mentioned it on the Red Dead episode, but games that you spend longer on end up being a lot of times better games because there's just, those are the games that just, blow you away those are the games that are amazing those are your ghost of tsushima's and your elder scrolls and your fallouts and your you know yeah and your zeldas and your red deads and your god uh uh, grand theft autos oh yeah yeah. i think one thing that um i i know it's it's a game that uh i talk about a lot because i i honestly just love the game i'm really hoping that they don't go in that you know we got to get it knocked out for the gamers kind of thing with Horizon Zero Dawn. I don't think so, because I think that game was priced for just how much there was. So, and, and it has been a little bit since since it came out, right? So came out in 17 or oh, 16? Uh, yeah, I was thinking 16, but yeah. Um, there are two different types of games. And that's not to say that games that aren't 
um, produced quickly can't be good. I think this game is an example that they can be good. Yeah. Assassin's Creed is another example that sometimes they, they rush it too much. Kind of like COD, too. I mean, COD's one of those where it's like, all right, it's been we a little bit. We need another one yeah. every year. We like, need another oh one. Madden, God. the same thing. You know, they Madden, you know, I haven't played too much of it, kind of like, you know, um, with the the NBA and the hockey. You know, I've played a couple of them, and, it, you know, they do noticeably get better every year, more human kind of movements instead of just, like, all of a sudden you're glitching over to the sidewall or whatever. <laughs> but it's um, the same fucking game. It, it it's really the same is. thing, but, they, you know, it's, it's like they keep getting better with time, and, you know, they are, you know, getting a lot better, you know, people with development or, you know, people that have wanted to do this their whole life. They go to school for it and everything. You know, you get more of those dedicated guys that will stay up until 3 o'clock in the morning working on a fucking game. So I think they're they're kind of moving into that, you know, like we can get it knocked out quicker. Let's hire more staff. Let's get this done kind of thing. Because a lot of developers, you know, they're really, really committed to the gamers. And, and yeah, reusing assets and things like that can help. There's a good balance between yearly releases and, and shoving things out too quickly, which can happen sometimes. And a couple years, three years in between release, you know, two or three years. And, and you can still produce high quality games um, just depending on how you go about it and how you present it. And um, I think games like Tomb Raider and like Uncharted are good examples of games that um, can be produced out fairly quickly. Yeah. And are still great, good quality games that um, captivate us. So um, I think that's, that's kind of, where I stand on it overall. Mm -hmm. Now, guys, if you are listening to Collateral Gaming, make sure you check out Collateral Cinema. I don't have any of our staff here besides myself to plug that, but uh, on our Collateral Cinema movie podcast, we are uh, we just released an episode on Star Trek for the Voyage Home. I took the lead on that. It was a great game. Um, we're also going to kind of do a movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Too much video gaming. Um, I also we're also going to do our two part anime special on Perfect Blue and Akira, so followed by uh, a season finale on uh, uh, Best Friends, which is the movie starring Tommy Wiseau and Greg Sestero. So you can follow Find Collateral Cinema wherever you find Collateral Gaming. You can find Collateral Gaming wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, wherever you're listening to it right now. We're on Show Lover Radio. That's our network. Um, we're going to start producing some more content. Alan and Megan um, are, are really uh, happy to work on, you know, the, the, the streaming side of things. And yes. Yeah. We're talking and, and collaborating with other podcasts. I believe we're going to be working with Homeboy from a Victims and Villains podcast, Captain Nostalgia. He's reached out to us. So I, I, we're going to be collaborating with him very soon. I'll release, you know, we'll have more information about that soon. Um, we're already discussing season three. Me and Dakota and Alan and Megan, we've already sat down and started to talk about what games we're going to talk about. So that's super exciting. Um, we are kind of running into the end here of season two. We're, we're mm -hmm. coming to a close. In fact, I'll go ahead and reveal the rest of our lineup. Our, our next game is going to be Spyro Reignited Trilogy. I'm so freaking excited. I love <laughs> Spyro so much. I remember growing up, I think I played a lot of Spyro A Hero's Tale and Into yes. the Dragonfly. But this is a remaster of the original three that were developed by Insomniac Games, mm -hmm. developer behind Marvel Spider-Man. Um, and the games have been remastered. And um, I've been actually playing a lot of it on my Nintendo Switch, just every chance I get sneaking some levels in. And I had a lot of fun with that. I think we're going to probably get a Switch probably just for the Spyro trilogy because I've heard that it's the best to play this trilogy on a Switch. Is it? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I've been enjoying the, the experience on Switch. I thought, I thought it was done well. After that, we're going to be doing Action 52. 
um, as a you know kind of a bad game review because we haven't done anything bad this season. I want to just be bad. bad. I don't We've been remember. doing all the blockbusters. We have done a lot of modern games this season. That's been a that's just been a thing, um, and I think it was because originally season two was one half of season one. Originally, we were on a biweekly schedule, and I, when I switched to monthly, I cut the seasons in half, and it just so happened all the modern games were on the second half oh, okay. of the that season. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, I think because I was saving them so we had enough time to play them, and, you know, just just the way that it worked out. So uh, Action 52 is going to be um, actually uh, old-style, original Nintendo or NES game, um, considered one of the worst video games. It, it's, it's, it is a contender <laughs> for worst video game of all time. It is bad. It is broken. Um we're probably not going to have very much fun ha- uh, playing it. We'll have fun <laughs> talking about it and laughing at it. And I think there's emulators online. So um, that might be something that we need to just kind of come together and all play together and experience yeah. and laugh and drink too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could maybe, um, I know we've been uh, talking about live streaming a lot and doing a lot of that stuff with the podcast. So that, that could be a, a big thing to do. Um, maybe we should have them give us input on what they think of that. Yeah, definitely. Guys, reach out. We're on all, and I wanted to mention that we're on all uh, social media channels. We are on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'm very active on all of those. I, you know, well, sorry, I say I'm very active. I'm, I'm not as active as I like to be, but I'm always checking them, and I'm always there, and I check my messages. Yeah, um, we check everything. I'm, I'm always on the, on the podcast page, you know, making sure to post funny memes and post about the podcast. So. We post our spicy video game memes on Facebook. Sometimes too spicy. I, I, my, my, <laughs> I have a certain sense of humor, um, and and you know I don't let it go. So uh, there there are certain things that I don't have a filter for. So just just be warned. I keep the Instagram page. I think that's the one I'm most uh, in with. I keep it updated with what we're doing and and what episodes we're talking about and things like that. Um, and then Twitter. I'm, I want to get more involved in Twitter and focus because that's where the podcast world lives. I want to interact with more and so. Feel free to at me and let me know. You know, message us. Leave us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. Leave yeah, us a review. Yeah, talk to us. We'll we'll talk back. We're not. Come at we're me, not bro. Just, yeah. If, if, if y'all want to, you know, hang out with us while we're streaming. You know, like Alan and I have been trying to stream as much as we can. You know, like we want to be active with the listeners. You know, that's a big thing for us. You know, like I want to, you know, say thank you for spending an hour plus listening to me. You know, so talk to me. I'll I'll talk back. <laughs> Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I'm 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 on social media personally. You can follow me on my personal profiles. I generally accept all friend requests. I I, I just check to see if you're a bot, and otherwise, I assume if, if someone isn't a mutual doesn't have mutual friends that I, I actually do this. I assume that they're that they may be following me because of the podcast. So I just I'll just add you back. <laughs> so just don't don't appear to be a, a Russian bot, and I won't I won't uh I'll, I'll accept it. Yes. Um. But yeah, following uh, Action Fifty Two, we're gonna have our season finale. Uh, that's going to be Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Oh, God. One of my favorite Assassin's Creed games. I think 2 is honestly my favorite, but, but 4 is... For me, good fellow. <laughs> that, to, yeah, the shanties are probably my favorite part of that entire yeah, game. Dakota <laughs> knows them by heart. Like, I and sings he them. does. Um, and we, we may have our, our friend Aubrey on that as well, because he, he's also really into that. Dakota and I, when we were thinking about games to do for this podcast, we were planning out season 1. We knew we wanted to do Assassin's Creed, and we decided Assassin's Creed 4 was the one game that we both had played a lot of and were mm-hmm. really into. So um, stay tuned for that. We're going to have our we, we are going to have a, an episode coming out on Assassin's Creed Black Fly. That's going to be our season finale. You heard it here first. So we're, we're running into the end of our season. We're planning out season three. We're super stoked. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reaching out. We want to thank our fellow podcasters for retweeting and following us and um 
you know, generally if I don't talk to you enough, it's because I'm awkward and I don't, you know, <laughs> feel comfortable. But I definitely want to interact more. So, but um, get Ash out of his comfort zone, guys. Talk to him. <laughs> seriously. And, and guys, if you are struggling with mental health issues, please reach out. I cannot stress that enough. I just want to tack that on there because I think it's important. I think it needs to be said. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know you've talked about it a lot in our um, previous podcasts. Um, and definitely, you know, I think that's something that's important. You know, if y'all are struggling or having an issue, you know, I know there's a lot of people that, you know, like they love, you know, these celebrities and stuff and they try and reach out just to talk to them because, you know, they, they want them to listen and, you know, they just don't, you know, like I don't, I, we're not going to be like that. Like we will talk to you. If you just want to hang out with us in a party on Xbox while we play COD half asleep, half drunk, we will, we will do it. Just reach out. Yeah. We're a resource for you. I mean, we don't get get in the way of getting professional help, but we are a resource, and yeah. you can talk to us, and we're more than happy. We're we're happy, and uh, we're we're friendly people. And yeah, if we can sit here for an hour and a half plus talking about a video game, I'm pretty sure we can talk to you for a little bit. We're not scared, <laughs> for sure, for sure, guys. Don't don't hesitate to reach out. Um, and as always, have fun. Thanks for listening. And that being said, I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Megan Gardner, and I'm Alan Gomez. This is Collateral Gaming. We are out. Bye. Collateral Gaming is an L Company production. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor. <laughs>